0: Arthur, I was enchanted by Arthur Smith sings Leonard Cohen, despite your gloomy predictions of what sort of show it's going to be, which you can tell me about in a minute. But first of all, set up Mark 1 for the listeners, or the show.
1: Yes, well, I did Arthur Smith sings Leonard Cohen, which I think I did initially in the year 2000, or possibly 1999, anyway, for a couple of years. I'd done that partly as a joke, because it just sounded to me like the grimmest evening of entertainment imaginable. Arthur Smith sings Leonard Cohen. And so it was kind of a joke, but I've always loved Leonard Cohen's work. And then I found that I kind of could growl his songs in an acceptable way. And that show I did with a guitarist back in me, because I don't play an instrument, uh, Roddy Golden. And then, um, you know, I came back to the idea again and, and the producer said, why don't you do another one? And I was doubtful at first, and I spent a long time before I thought, oh, yeah, all right, I will then. And this time I had a pianist, and I had two backing singers, the smithereens, as I called them. So it had a different sort of sound quality, and, you know, there are enough songs by Leonard Cohen that you you know, you know could endlessly do shows, I suppose. I could probably do a three and a four. And then I had to decide what it was about, and it sort of became about various things but partly about my mother's decline into dementia and yet I was aiming for laughs and I think I got them too. That's a fine balance, fine wire to to tread which I mean you did
0: do that and I saw part one and you did an awful lot of wonderful stories that you went round and round the houses and you sort of brought us back to where we started and I I think you introduced all these characters and so forth. So um, I thought it was going to be more of the same but maybe it isn't so much.
1: Well, in some ways it is. In as far as it's Leonard Cohen songs punctuated by me telling stories, it's the same. Uh, But yeah, and then in that first one, I kind of made a joke at one point in the second one. In the first one I was talking about the nature of addiction (laughs) and uh, boredom and, uh, you know, trying to work out while you're here. And and in the end, I kind of almost sort of ended up saying you should embrace your addictions. But then, of course, it was not long after that that I'd rather embrace mine too much and got taken into hospital uh, with a disease that had been a result of drinking too much. So I'm now a sober Leonard Cohen. But then, of course, Leonard Cohen's been through that kind of thing as well. He, he drank quite a lot in his time. I do a line in it where I say... Um, Lenny Cohen, as I estimate, uh, smoked 40,000 cigarettes, drunk around 50,000 bottles of red wine, and taken approximately a million pounds worth of Class A drugs. And apparently, this is true, at one time he was taking Speed Amphetamine, which made me wonder what his songs would have sounded like <laughs> if, you know, if he hadn't taken them. I mean, they're slow enough as it is. So I do, at one point in pursuing that, I do an immensely slow version of Suzanne. Well, the start of it. Mm. Go on, then. Suzanne... T. You see, I couldn't do it all. <laughs> yeah, you, you, that would have been the whole show, wouldn't it? Well, maybe that would be interesting, too, in an experimental way. Arthur Smith sings Suzanne by Leonard Cohen for an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One thing that does shine through. You sound like you really rather love the man I mean what would be the point yeah. of doing the show I don't think it's just the music it must be the man as well yeah. so tell me about you and lenny Cohen and what you had to do to research it or did you know it all already
1: well I, I was introduced uh, to lenny Cohen when I was about 15 by my brother who uh, had uh, that first album with Suzanne and Sisters of Mercy and and i I felt a real kinship with him and then I read uh, one of his novels and I've read a lot of his poetry. He is, I mean, he's prolific as well, but he's, he's an extremely eloquent writer and he is a, a proper poet. And, that, and, and he's also a prodigious composer as well. And I mean, if you look at the body of work he's got, I mean, it's quite extraordinary. He's been writing songs, hundreds, dozens and dozens of really wonderful songs Going back, you know, fifty years, so I was interested in that, but I was also interested in his sort of spiritual journey. You know, he lived as a monk for a while. Uh, you know, he's kind of done it all, and he's he's struggled to work out why we're here, which of course we all do. And I think he's produced some very eloquent and beautiful answers to that, albeit well, perhaps not answers, but suggestions, shall we say?
0: Yeah, things that we can share. on for me. I, I'll listen to one of his songs, and I do include Hallelujah in that, and it seems to key into something that I can really
1: relate to. Absolutely, and there are many, many songs like that. I, I went to see him at the the O2 when he was here last. So did I. Yeah, oh, I didn't seem to see you there, Journey. What a surprise! <laughs> and and he's he's got a real humility on stage as well. He's a very good performer, in but you sort of get the sense he's slightly surprised he's still alive and and humbled by that thought and indeed by the audience and um yeah i think i think he's got a real gracefulness shall we say both you know both lyrically and in in who he is himself i i mean i won't say whether or not i've met him except because you'll need to come to the show for that but I think you'd find you'd have a very good afternoon out with Leonard Cohen. And if you were a lady, you'd almost certainly fancy him, I think. I do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> his, I mean, if you look at his songs, a, a very large percentage of them are about women. I mean, he's endlessly fascinated by the, the scriptures of love, I think.
0: You mentioned the word scripture, but you didn't mean it in the biblical sense particularly. Although, extraordinarily, he does draw... On the scriptures a lot. He's really very learned on that sort of thing. I mean, he's quite into his Judaism again, even I think now. Yes,
1: well, he calls himself, doesn't he, a Zen Jew, I believe, which is a rather fine phrase. And some of his songs are, kind of deal with. I mean, that song about um, Abraham, and there's his work shot through with references uh, to biblical characters, oh, well, and other characters too. But he's interested in the the mystery of religion and the stories of religion, no doubt. I mean, I don't think, you know, I doubt he's an atheist. I think he's probably a kind of, uh, well, a Zen Jew, yeah.
0: Like he says, yeah. Uh, uh, Your rendering of Hallelujah is hysterically funny because it sort of starts as you would expect it to, (laughs) and then you you sort of more and more exasperated with yeah, it. So d- yeah. But that, of course, has so many biblical references, yes. I and mean, very specific was reference to David and Bathsheba on the roof and all that.
1: You know, he originally, as he does, and he wrote about 800 verses and then sort of narrowed it down, but even then he sometimes swaps them around, I notice. I mean, my point is in, in doing it, I'm so sick of this stupid song, it just goes on and on and on, <laughs> I'm sick of bloody singing it. Because I sense in some way, it's like, he may have got bored with it. <laughs> Just you know, he must have heard it so often. So many people do it. You know, it's like if you've got one hit single and you spend the rest of your life flogging that around discos in the provinces. Not that Leonard does that, but I mean, I imagine that must be the same sort of thing. Well, I've always thought he'd make quite a good stand-up. You know, he's a very funny man. I mean, he one of the songs we do in this um, verse, uh, Arthur Smith sings Lennon in uh, uh, number two. Uh, is what I caught co- in it's a really miserable song about a man shaving himself and considering committing suicide It's called dress rehearsal rag and I introduce it by using Leonard's line He said um, I sing this song only on the most joyous of occasions When I know the landscape can support the despair I am about to project onto it <laughs> <laughs> It's a really funny line I mean people don't realize that they say oh he's miserable He's funny
0: I think there was this, some reason he got this reputation, didn't he, for being music to slit your wrists to. And I think it was just because, you know, even something like Suzanne it sort of has this sort of sound, dying yeah. fall, but to me it's just always been yes, yeah,
1: Absolutely. I mean, he, he this particular song that I referred to is really... I mean, it's about... I mean, it ends up with... Now Santa Claus comes forward. That's a razor in his mitt, and he puts on his dark glasses, and he shows you where to hit. You know, it's quite. Mm. It is literally uh, uh, wrist slitting because that's what he's talking about. But actually, the the songs are full of humour, and. Uh, An eloquence. I mean, he's so eloquent. Uh, even if you hear him doing interviews, he, he seems unable to make uh, a rubbish, boring little sentence. He he's extremely graceful with words.
0: Yes. Well, he, yeah. What's interesting is that he. Well, he's coming up. I don't know if he actually is 80 yet, but he's certainly coming no, up. He's
1: he 80. Actually, because yeah. I make a bit of a thing about this, because mm. he was 80, and I'm uh, uh, around the same time. I was 60. And he had this kind of crisis around the time he was 60. So, you know, I was making these comparisons. And in a way, now, he's out of that. Mm. But I think, I mean, he's he's had some very depressive times, Lenny Cohen, no doubt. He's had that,
0: obviously, I mean, he rose above it, but of course there was this thing where his
1: manager took him to the cleaners. And that's why
0: he's touring again, which is our gain, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Because he lost all this money and he had to make it up. Yeah,
1: good thanks to that lady who ripped him off. But yeah, I think he lost pretty much everything Mm. uh, and had to start again. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And as a result, you and I saw him at the O2. He probably wouldn't have done it otherwise. I'm sure in some ways he sees it as a a kind of... um, yeah kind of odd it was a good thing perhaps in the end i
0: think he does now i, I mean i can't remember he referred to it particularly but he just looked pleased to be on stage more yeah. than comfortable i thought pleased.
1: yeah i mean you wonder as well if it's you know keeps him alive almost i don't know you know there's no doubt that i mean i i realize that you if you go if i've gone through periods where i'd sort of not been on stage for a while and you miss it and then when you're being on stage there's nothing quite like it you know people say live in the moment and you really do when you're on stage because you're just f- totally focused on what you're doing
0: it's interesting for you that you're going off to do this show at jw3 which is in the jewish festival yes. festival of jewish comedy yeah. at the jewish cultural center <laughs> and the premise being that well because then kind is of jewish
1: Yes, because because I'm not actually Jewish, but really? you know, uh, people often have assumed I am, and indeed I sort of feel slightly <laughs> Jewish. You know, I mean comedians, you know, as we know, a lot of the best comedians are Jewish, and uh, I find the, I think I look a bit Jewish. Do you think?
0: You sound incredibly yeah, Jewish. And you, right, you do I look sound. a bit. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I mean
1: maybe I am somewhere. I don't know, but uh, yeah, uh, that's right. The, but and the the. the the Jew that is Leonard Cohen is another thing too. I mean, that's perhaps where he gets all that humour from as well. Yeah, I mean, I, like I say, I've always felt a little bit Jewish and a little bit Irish.
0: i like to talk about your mother and, and you know her, her part in, in this show. But my mother, having recently gone into a home because she has both types of dementia, mm. um, I can see that this new show is going to chime with me because your mother is such an important part of it and both of you coming to terms with what's happened to her I guess
1: yes yes my mother after my father died I mean she sort of gamely uh carried on she moved to Tunbridge where my younger brother lives with his younger children so she can meet them out of school and be of use she wanted to be of use but fairly soon she began you know repeating herself uh, you know, and those classical things and then and then getting confused and then and then she started drinking which she'd never really done much before. and she was clearly lonely and in despair and she was she could feel the the dementia coming on and knew her mother had had it, her sister was getting it and she was dreading it and uh, she kept these diaries around that time and it was painful for me and my brothers because we'd go as often as we could and and wanted to give her freedom but then then it began to get to the point where she was wandering about and but in a way the the, the lenny cohen show it tells a bit the story of my mother's decline and and of course it's a very Topical, you know, it's a it's a big subject as we all live longer and you know, they might they seem to be finding cures for cancer and whatnot, but there's not much you know, there's nothing really to do with dementia. You know, we're in the dark about it and it's becoming more common, obviously, especially as we live longer. So, you know, it's something You know, people are going to have to consider more and more. It's
0: a poem that you wrote about your mother. That is in the show, is
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Hazel, yeah. Uh, And that was a. Well, I could recite that if you want That would be lovely. Mm. Um, Arriving home late after the party, they see her, their neighbour, standing in the street. She asked them for a lift to London, back home to London. Hazel, they say, this is your home. You live here, London's 30 miles away. Her door is open and they take her in and see she has packed a bag of a packet of biscuits and a jumper count as packing. Oh, Hazel, it is 30 years since you left London to live, as you like to say, in the shires. But there she still is, that grammar school girl from Camberwell Green, dancing, kissing sailors in Trafalgar Square. It is V.E. Day. And the rest of the century is yours. Oh,
0: that's so beautiful. I'm sure people cry when you recite that. Yeah, I
1: mean, in a way, that's the sort of emotional turning point. because I hardly mention my mother in the first 15 minutes or so, and then slowly it begins to come in, and that's the sort of emotional turning point, yeah. And, and um, as it was for me, it was a crucial moment when the neighbours rang me and said that she'd been standing outside and asking uh you know, and that was the point at which we realised we really got to do something. We can't just leave her on her own now.
0: And you say, and I would agree with you, that it was the same with my mother, that, that 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 their new reality, they can be very happy in that new reality. Particularly now, my mum being in her home and constantly referring. The other day, she asked my my brother if he had any foreign money, obviously thinking she's abroad. Yeah, she does a lot. So
1: yeah. Oh, my mother. I mean, it, I noticed. You know, seeing like my the other. Mainly ladies in the in the home there. I mean, some of them it, it takes them you know in a way where they're well a lot of them are just silent or more or less silent, uh, and then there's others who get a kind of angriness and anger within them. They may never have been angry the rest of their life, but it takes them that way. But fortunately, my mother is this kind of benign child. There are certain <laughs> consolations to dementia, uh, you know, in the. Well, for example, my mother used to despair as she felt herself falling into it. But now, now occasionally she'll, she'll get a little bit upset, but then she can change immediately. And when I go to visit her, I'm always. She doesn't really want me to go when I leave, but then I know that thirty seconds after I've left, she's forgotten I've been there. So, in a way, that and she's forgotten about her own condition. Uh, and so, there's an odd consolation there. I, as I say, in the thing you know, people say live in the moment, but if you can't remember what the last moment was and don't really know what the next one's going to be, then, you know, that's your only option. And also, uh, she said something funny that I quote in the show as well. We were watching the telly together and I said, oh, yeah, something awful was happening. I said, oh, what a terrible world we live in. And she said, yes, yeah. she said, I would hate it. <laughs> and actually, she doesn't really live here. You know, if you ask who the prime minister was, she had no idea. But, and actually, there's something rather beautiful, in a way, about living in that little kind of world. No one's going to, you know, you haven't, you're not afraid of all the things we you read the papers every day are afraid of. There's a kind of, um, there's a kind of contentment.
0: Let's just go back to Leonard, I'm sure we should do that. We started with you saying what could be more depressing than Arthur Smith sings Leonard Cohen. Mm. You really sing it rather beautifully and you don't. Push it out, you know. I, I was enchanted by the way you sang, and I, I expect if you didn't send "Hallelujah" up, you'd probably be up there with, with you know, with, with Jeff Buckley and, yeah. and Leonard Cohen. Well, so, I
1: mean, the Jeff Buckley Leonard is a sort of completely different rendition of it in a way. Whereas I'm closer to Leonard. I mean, mm. Leonard himself doesn't claim to be a great singer. Really, he says if I want to hear a great singer, I'll go to the Metropolitan Opera House. But I figure if you can tell your story, and I think if you can tell the story of the song then the beauty or otherwise of your voice is it, that becomes part of it or that that's what makes the beauty and I do have a slightly similar voice to Leonard I mean I faintly resemble him as well of course well I don't know do you think I do a bit yeah. I mean, I'm taller but yeah. then... yes faintly <laughs> but my voice has a similar sort of gravelly mm. growly texture and has been similarly infected by many thousand cigarettes like Leonard himself.
0: We ought to thank the cigarettes, really, though, in that case, because we wouldn't have the voices which i rather love, which is yours mm, and his. Yeah, yeah
1: well, <laughs> I'm not sure if this interview is going to go... You'll be getting this put on the... Uh, <laughs> <Ash>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I can't remember what Ash i yeah, or yeah. the opposite, or whatever it is, yeah. Yes, I can't
0: remember what the one, but Ash is the one that advocates smoking, isn't
1: it? Yes, yeah. yeah, so that's right. Uh, I mean, I don't advocate anyone to take up smoking, but I merely observe that... Um, that there are certain uh, byproducts of it, shall we say?
0: Well, how do you weave Leonard into the story of your mother, or the other way around, really?
1: Yes, well, you'll have to come to see that. I but, will, yeah. um, well, I mean, Leonard himself, of course, is wonderful with women, I think, uh, and women like Leonard, and I sort of posit an imaginary meeting a bit between them. Uh, I, uh, when you'll have to see, it's quite subtle, there's lots of little things uh, that sort of you can pick up on. Uh, it's hard to describe without how I kind of delivering it, but you know, there are hints here and there and then stories come back or, uh, because it's not just about my mother, it's also a bit about Leonard, about his, str- you know, how he lost all his money, was very depressed when he was 60 and how he came out of that. And in a sense about my own, you know, I do a joke about how my career was going down the pan, but now I've been, you know. And similarly, Leonard, you know, his career in a sense it could easily have just stopped. But now he, he had to get money, so he went back on the road. And then he was kind of reborn in the warmth of the affection showed to him. So there's a bit about that and a bit about that. And, and similarly, my own struggle with my mother. So it all kind of melds in. And you find that such is the nature of Leonard Cohen's songs, they're very dense and and... I mean, the meaning is often elusive, the sort of, some sort of pure this means this. It's never as simple as that. But there are lots of hints and references which you can kind of fit in with all sorts of stories. Thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. <laughs>